out of which meat and potatoes were splashed into each plate by a sweating K.P. in blue denims. "'Don't look so bad tonight,' said Faselli to the man opposite him as he hitched his sleeves up at the wrists and leaned over his steaming food. He was sturdy with curly hair and full, vigorous lips that he smacked hungrily as he ate. "'It ain't,' said the pink, flaxen-haired youth opposite him, who wore his broad-brimmed hat on the side of his head with a certain jauntiness. "'I got a pass tonight,' said Faselli, tilting his head vainly. "'Going to tear things up?' "'Man, I got a girl at home back in Frisco. She's a good kid. "'You're right not to go with any of the girls in this goddamn town. "'They ain't clean, none of them. "'That is, if you want to go overseas.' "'The flaxen-haired youth leaned across the table earnestly. "'I'm going to get some more chow. Wait for me, will you?' said Faselli. "'What are you going to do downtown?' asked the flaxen-haired youth when Faselli came back. "'Dunno, run around a bit and go to the movies?' he answered, filling his mouth with potato. "'God, it's time for retreat!' they overheard a voice behind them. Faselli stuffed his mouth as full as he could and emptied the rest of his meal reluctantly into the garbage pail. A few moments later he stood stiffly at attention in a khaki row that was one of hundreds of other khaki rows, identical, that filled all sides of the parade ground while the bugle blew somewhere at the other end where the flagpole was. Somehow, It made him think of the man behind the desk in the office of the draft board who had said, handing him the papers, sending him to camp, I wish I was going with you, and had held out a white, bony hand that Fuseli, after a moment's hesitation, had taken in his own stubby brown hand. The man had added fervently, It must be grand, just grand, to feel the danger, the chance of being potted any minute. Good luck, young fella, good luck. Faselli remembered unpleasantly his paper-white face and the greenish look of his bald head. But the words had made him stride out of the office, sticking out his chest, brushing truculently past a group of men in the door. Even now the memory of it, mixing with the strains of the national anthem, made him feel important, truculent. "'Squad's right!' came an order. Crunch, crunch, crunch in the gravel. The companies were going back to their barracks. He wanted to smile, but he didn't dare. He wanted to smile because he had a pass till midnight, because in ten minutes he'd be outside the gates, outside the green fence and the sentries and the strands of barbed wire. Crunch, crunch, crunch. Oh, they were so slow in getting back to the barracks, and he was losing time, precious free minutes. Hip! 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 cried the sergeant, glaring down the ranks with his aggressive bulldog expression to where someone had fallen out of step. The company stood at attention in the dusk. Fuseli was biting the inside of his lips with impatience. Minutes dragged by. At last, as if reluctantly, the sergeant sang out, Dismissed! Fuseli hurried towards the gate, brandishing his pass with an important swagger. Once out on the asphalt of the street, he looked down the long row of lawns and porches where violet arc lamps already contested the faint afterglow, drooping from their iron stalks far above the recently planted saplings of the avenue. He stood at the corner, slouched against a telegraph pole, with the camp fence surmounted by three strands of barbed wire behind him, wondering which way he would go.
This was a hell of a town anyway. And he used to think he wanted to travel round and see places. Home will be good enough for me after this, he muttered. Walking down the long street towards the center of town, where was the moving picture show, he thought of his home, of the dark apartment on the ground floor of a seven-story house where his aunt lived. Gee, she used to cook swell, he murmured regretfully. On a warm evening like this, he would have stood round at the corner where the drugstore was, talking to fellows he knew, giggling when the girls who lived in the street, walking arm in arm, twined in couples or trios, passed by, affecting ignorance of the glances that followed them. Or perhaps he would have gone walking with Al, who worked in the same optical goods store, down through the glaring streets of the theater and restaurant quarter, or along the wharves and trains.